Hello and welcome to the Smart Witch Podcast and thank you so much for joining me today and happy official Virgo season to you as well. If you are a Virgo sun and have a solar return approaching at some point within the next couple of weeks, I want to wish you a very happy birthday and I also want to thank you for your endearingly humble nature for your service, for your commitment to others, and for your work ethic. There's honestly so many things that I love about the sign of Virgo. I think every sign is very special, but Virgo honestly is one of my favorites. So if you are a Virgo, um, thank you for everything you bring and everything you contribute to the Zodiac. And I hope that you enjoy your special day. And I also want to wish you a happy uh, Leo new moon, which is very belated by a week at this point. I normally do little episodes dedicated to every new moon period, and I am going to continue to do that, but for some reason I just skipped this one. I feel like I just released the wardrobe magic episode and was really excited about that, and then I just sort of ended up glossing over the Leo new moon. So hopefully you're not too disappointed by that, but I will be doing one probably for the Virgo go new moon so um, don't worry that's still a thing I just kind of skipped this one Um, but you can expect um, that to continue to happen so um, again hopefully that's not too disappointing for you but without further ado I want to get into today's episode because today we're going to talk tarot and we haven't talked tarot in a long time Um, not really since the very beginning of this podcast's conception Um, We did a couple of readings for a couple of the new moons and big lunations that we've had over the last couple of months, but it's been a while since we just kind of talked about cultivating a relationship with the tarot. And so that's going to be the focus of today's episode. And this is kind of a nice continuation, by the way, of the very first episode that I did which was a gentle intro to the tarot, which I think was episode two of this podcast. And that episode is pretty different. Um, It basically explores the question of what tarot is, which is actually kind of a big question. And it's kind of a tricky one to answer. But that one really just talks more about what tarot is in theory and as a concept and how you can think about it and approach the idea of it in general. But today what I really want to talk about is some of the more kind of specific questions that you might have if you're just starting out with the tarot. Maybe you have listened to that episode, maybe you kind of know what tarot is, and maybe you even have a deck, but you just have struggled to cultivate a really personal relationship with it that feels good. Maybe you even do readings, maybe you, you know, play around with your deck, but you have yet to really create a relationship with your deck where you turn to it to actively support you in your day-to-day life and in moments where you really do need guidance. And if it's not practically helpful, then there's almost no point in creating a relationship with the tarot, right? So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how you can work with the tarot in a way that is actively beneficial to you. And that will help you in moments where you really do need support and it will help you practically and you will literally walk away from the deck with greater clarity. 
So before we get into that, I want to start by touching on something that I've gotten a lot of questions about. Um, I am sorry, by the way, about all the meowing and all the noises that you might be hearing. My cat is kind of freaking out right now, and I'm just going to go with it, but hopefully he's not too distracting. I'm filming this, or not filming, but recording this at night, and I feel like when I do that, he's a little more energetic. He, like his mother, is a night owl, so um, you might hear him playing with his toys or making some noises, and if you do, I apologize and hope that you can just kind of tune that out. Um, but anyway, so I want to start by talking about choosing a deck because this is something that I've gotten a lot of questions about from readers who, as I said, have listened to my first Gentle Tarot intro, which by the way, if you haven't listened to that, then please do check it out. Even if you're a relatively seasoned reader, I am proud of that episode. As I said, I tackle some big questions and I think I did a pretty good job. So if you haven't listened to that, please do check it out. I will place the link in the description of this episode. And again, I really do recommend that even for those who are somewhat acquainted with tarot, not only in theory and as a concept, but might even own a deck, might even do readings casually. But I think that that episode does have something to um, teach everybody. So please head over there and listen to that if you haven't already. But assuming that you're kind of even past that, like not really knowing what tarot is and you um, want to buy a deck of your own and, and create a relationship with the tarot then you might wonder what deck you should get. And there really is no easy answer to this question. It really is just so independent and up to every individual what deck speaks to them. And a really good place to start is the original Rider-Waite-Smith deck, which is the images created by Pamela Coleman-Smith, who is an incredible woman, and she is essentially the creator of all... Uh, well, not all, but our our concept and idea of the tarot and its images. And all of the decks, really, that are, are available right now on the market are essentially just offshoots of her original deck that she illustrated. So that's a really good place to start, just because it's not necessarily themed, it's not necessarily modernized, it's just very pure. Um, the original illustrations that Pamela Coleman-Smith created... So that's a really good deck to start with. Um, my sister has the Modern Witch Tarot, which is a really cool deck. I really like it. I want to get a copy for myself, too, because I collect tarot decks. And that's her favorite. She really likes that one. And she shopped around for a while before she found one that she really, really liked. And that's her favorite. So that's one that I like to recommend. I also really like the Smart, or the smart Witch Tarot. Haha. <laughs> Not yet, although... Maybe someday I will create that deck. But I was actually going to say the Everyday Witch Tarot is another one of my favorites um, in my personal collection. That one's nice because it's a little more lighthearted and kind of whimsical than some of the other decks that are out there that might have a little more triggering imagery. And we're actually going to talk about that more in just a second. Another deck that I really like, it's actually my my favorite deck, is um, The Witch's Tarot by Ellen Dugan. And I, I'm actually blanking on the name of the person that illustrated that deck, but I think the reason that I like it so much is actually because the person that illustrated The Witch's Tarot is also the same person that illustrated the very first Oracle deck that I ever was gifted. And that Oracle deck, I think it was something like the Fairy Oracle, um, just a very had a very general name of some sort. But it was actually the first 
divination tool that I ever received and I got it actually as a Christmas gift when I was pretty young. I literally was probably in elementary school and I got it as a gift and it was the first deck of any kind for readings that I ever received. So it was kind of my intro to not only oracle decks, but really that's how I then entered into the world of tarot. I started with oracle decks, which is a good place to start for a lot of people, and then I eased into tarot a little bit later. But that was um, where I started, so I think that that's part of the reason why that deck is so important to me, the Witch's Tarot, because of the emotional resonance and the memory of that very first deck that I ever worked with as a very young witch lip. So I really like the artwork of um, the Witch's Tarot. It's really realistic, and I really connect with images that are that are realistic, where you can actually see the facial expressions of the characters and the cards. I really like that, so that's a really nice deck too. And then I also really like the Tarot Nova. Um, that's actually the first tarot deck that I ever worked with. It's very simplistic Renaissance style images. And what's nice is it's actually kind of a smaller deck physically. So if you have a young witchlet on your hands, if you're a mom and you, or a parent, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be gender specific. If you have a young witchlet on your hands and you're a parent and you want to start them on a tarot deck and you don't want to use the original um, Rider Waite Smith deck, then I do actually recommend the Tarot Nova. It's nice because the images are so simple, so they're very G-rated. There's nothing super steamy on there that you would be, you know, worried about maybe a younger witch um, seeing before she or he is ready. But also it's just small, so it's nice for tiny hands. And so that's one of my favorite decks too. So those are just a couple that I really like. Um, another deck that I would recommend too if you're worried about the images being a little bit too triggering for you is anything really by Doreen Virtue. She has a couple of tarot decks out there. I have her fairy tarot and her angel tarot, and I think I, she does have another one. I could be wrong about that. But I really like both of those decks. And again, what I like about them is that they do have the realistic characters where you can really sort of see their the details of their face and their characteristics, and that really helps me connect to the story. But also, um, I like that they're not super um, upsetting, quote-unquote. But actually, that's something that I want to touch on, by the way, because this is also something that I guess get asked about a lot, which is people come to me and they tell me that they want to start a relationship with the tarot and they want to start reading but they're scared. They're literally afraid of some of the images of the tarot. And when you think about it, it's not that surprising because when we think about the Three of Swords or the Ten of Swords, these are pretty gnarly images, right? They could potentially be upsetting to someone who struggles with their mental health. And what I really want to say about that is that Pamela Coleman-Smith, who, as I, as I said, is the original creator of these images and all of the decks that we work with essentially that are on the market are either direct or loosely derived from her original illustrations. So she said herself, and this is literally coming from her, not a quote obviously, but she did say that her illustrations in the suit of swords, by the way, in particular, which is where we see some of the most triggering imagery of the tarot, her illustrations were intended to be meta. They were intended to look the way that they feel and were in them. So it's not that they are reflective or indicative of what's actually happening to us, quote unquote, 
when we see these cards as much as they really speak to what we're feeling emotionally inside or the stories that we're telling ourselves mentally. And so they're not predicting that anything bad is going to happen to you. And that's not even language that the tarot would use. That's not a conversation that the tarot would have with you or a way that the tarot would communicate with you. But it's actually simply letting you know where you're at, what your mental state is. And again, it's not necessarily matching with the reality of the situation or predicting that something's going to happen to you. And I honestly do think that a lot of the fear out there of working with tarot is from irresponsible and unethical quote-unquote tarot readers. And I actually talk about this in my tarot intro episode, that tarot kind of means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And when we see um, psychics or readers marketing themselves as tarot readers, that can really refer to a lot of very different things. And obviously, there's a lot of professional tarot readers out there, myself included, that offer really quality readings that are insightful and ethical. But we know that there are unethical people out there. And actually, this has happened to me before. And I speak a lot about this because I am a tarot reader. And it was quite a while ago. It was um, maybe three or four years ago. So actually relatively recently in my tarot journey. But I was going through a hard time. And even though I read for myself all the time, I thought it would be really nice to have someone else read for me because I thought that, you know, in some way that might just be a cool experience. I thought it would be beneficial. I honestly think that when you're not in a good place and you reach out for an outside source or outside validation, that's usually not the best idea anyway. And in this case, it certainly did blow up in my face because my quote unquote tarot reader was not at all the kind kind of reader that I am. She didn't really use the cards as much as she just kind of told me a bunch of stuff that she was quote unquote seeing. And it was all negative. It was, she said some really scary things. Um, she told me that some really bad, terrible things were going to happen to me. It was honestly kind of an energetic assault. And I tell this story, not to overshare, but because it is a cautionary tale. And again, I don't think you need to hear this tale to know that these people are out there. There are people that advertise themselves as tarot readers that are not ethical and that will tell you really frightening things. And by the way, none of those things did happen. So it's not only unethical, but it's pretty much always inaccurate. And again, it's really a red flag if any quote-unquote tarot reader ever tells you absolutes or that people are going to die or anything really triggering and scary like that. Again, that's really not how the tarot is going to communicate with you. That's not the way that tarot speaks to us. So that's completely, again, just an issue on the part of the reader and their ethics. And again, it, it really is, a, is assault. It's an energetic assault and a violation. And if you ever have any sort of a really negative experience like that with a reader, please understand that it is them and never go to them again um, would be my obvious advice there. But my long-winded point is that it's unfortunate that I do think that this creates a lot of fear in the approach that a lot of people have to the tarot. They see some of the more triggering imagery. Maybe they've heard some horror stories from people that have had some situations similar to mine, which unfortunately I don't think are that rare. And so it makes them not want to get involved with tarot. But again, I just want to remind you that even the images that seem scary 
quote unquote, are meta and they're intended to speak to you and to the emotional state that they represent. They're not telling you that that's the reality or that bad things are happening or that people around you are, you know, anything bad is happening to them, like nothing like that is ever going to be communicated to you by the tarot. I know that's a blanket statement, but it's a true statement. And I hope that that offers some reassurance, but I also do want to add that if you're afraid of the tarot, then I'm also not here to convince you to buy a deck and dabble because the tarot is not for the faint of heart. Now, it's never going to communicate with you in the way that I just described, but that doesn't mean that it might at times give you some cold, hard truth. And if you are going to turn to the tarot for guidance and wisdom, then my advice is to be ready to face your truth and to face yourself because that's really all that the tarot facilitates. And for some people, that is a scary feat. So that shouldn't be undermined because that is definitely no joke and it's something that not everyone is ready for. So if you think that the tarot is scary, then I think what I would say is that maybe you're just not ready to work with it and I might recommend like a gentle oracle deck of some kind, which might be a little more fun for you, a little less triggering. But if you are someone that struggles with your mental health and you are also very interested in tarot and you are just concerned that some of the imagery might genuinely be triggering, again, I I want you to consider what I've said about the fact that these images are not predictive and they're not telling you that this is what's actually happening as much as they are intended to be representative of, of the drama that we feel personally on the inside when we're passing through these cards. Because all the cards do, as I mentioned in my episode two, my tarot intro, is they tell stories. They tell the story of the human experience. And so, yes, they depict our highs and they depict our lows. And not externals as much as internals. So there really is no reason to be afraid of that. But again, it's not, tarot is not for the faint of heart. It's not for those who aren't ready to face themselves. It's not for those who are afraid to check in with themselves and to sit with themselves. So if you are afraid of tarot for that reason, then yeah, you genuinely might not be at a, at a place where that's an activity that you should participate in. But at the same time, I do want to leave you with the thought that that is work that maybe you want to do. Maybe you should think about I don't want to say you should because that's not fair. I'm certainly not here to to be preachy, but I would invite you to think about why it is that you are uncomfortable with the prospect of facing yourself and asking yourself uh, questions and digging a little deeper. So I will leave you with that, but I hope that that helps you if you are in that camp where you're kind of like into tarot, would like to buy a deck, would like to cultivate a relationship with the tarot, but you're just afraid. I hope that that is beneficial, but I guess this was kind of a long-winded diversion, but I'm happy about it because it was something that I did really want to touch on. And by the way, to this, to this point, I do think that everyone should read tarot and should have a deck and should be pulling cards for themselves on a regular basis. And again, I know that's a bold statement and it's unrealistic. I don't see that happening anytime in the super near future, but like meditation, like exercise, like eating healthy, I really do think that the tarot is an act of self-care and just, it helps you to build a relationship with yourself in a way that is totally secular. Tarot is not associated with any one particular religious or spiritual path. It is something that anyone can do. And I recommend everyone be their own tarot reader and everyone 
find a deck that they like, that they're comfortable with, that they enjoy working with, that they feel connected to, and to read for themselves on the regular. I really do recommend that. And that is, I think, my vision. I would love to see that where it's commonplace for everyone to have a tarot deck with which they check in frequently. And I think that the world truly would be a better place if we all did that. But that being said, I'm not here to convince anyone of anything. And as I said, if if you are uncomfortable with the idea of tarot, then there is a reason for that that you should look into for sure. But going back to my original point about choosing a deck, there are so many different decks and it's so personal that I could never tell you which deck to choose or even tell you how to choose. But what I do want to say about that is not to put a ton of pressure on yourself to choose one deck that's like the quote unquote right deck. And the reason I say that is because especially if you are someone who like me ends up really developing quite a a passion for tarot, you're going to end up with a collection. So don't feel like you need one deck because honestly, I have quite a collection. I've got quite a few different decks. I actually really don't have that many, but I've got about seven. And I really do use them all for different things. They all feel different to me. I feel like some decks are better for particular questions. There are some decks that I really like to use for other people, whereas others are private, and I really just use them for myself. There are some decks that I like to use for particular people, for particular friends and clients, because I know they resonate with the vibration of that deck best. And there's others that I that I won't use for those clients, because I know that that's not really a vibrational match, and they don't really enjoy those images as much. So... I really do use the different decks for different things, so I don't feel that all decks necessarily are created equal in that sense, and I think that you'll find that too, especially if you do end up kind of developing a collection, you will find that your decks feel different to you and that you will work with different decks for different for different questions, for different circumstances, for different situations, for different people if you are reading for others, so um, that's really important to keep in mind as well is there is no pressure to find one universal deck that's your all-purpose deck that you use for everything. For me, if I had to choose just one, that would be the Witch's Tarot, which I really don't use anymore for other people. That's really my deck that I use for myself. That's the deck that I use for really important questions. I pull my daily cards from that deck. I pull my new moon cards from that deck. I do my big Celtic cross spreads, which really I only do a couple times a year. As I um, develop my tarot journey, I find that I actually don't pull too many cards per reading. I really prefer just a couple cards at a time because I find that the wisdom is so strong. But everyone's different. Some people really do like the big elaborate readings. And obviously for clients, I do uh, larger spreads. But for me, for my for my all-purpose deck, that would be the Witch's Tarot. But as I said, I really do use them all. And I use them all for different occasions. So I think that you will find that to be true as well. So don't put a lot of pressure on yourself to um, you know, pick just one that's perfect. Play around with it. And you will find that you respond differently to all of the different decks and that they respond differently to you. And another question that I get about the act of purchasing a deck is whether or not there's any specific ritual that one should conduct upon purchasing a new deck. And when it comes to that, I think that obviously that stuff never hurts. And I do think, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, I think it was in the 
um, crystal magic episode that I did that I think that we are a culture that over cleanses. I think that that's a really popular buzzword to cleanse your stuff, your stones and all of that. And of course, I think that that's important. And I think that it's, again, never a bad thing to do that. But I do think that we place too heavy of an importance. I think that there's almost a menacing kind of undertone. Like if you don't cleanse your stuff, it's going to be bad and it's got negative energy and it's toxic and it will hurt you. And I don't really buy into anything that sounds like fear mongering. And I feel like sometimes we can get a little bit into that when we talk about cleansing our, our magical tools. But I do think that it's special to cleanse a tarot deck when you first purchase it. Um, So, you know, we talk a lot about cleansing modalities here on the podcast, but for cleansing a tarot deck, I think the smoke of white sage in particular is really nice. So a quick little smudge of your deck is a really nice way to cleanse it when you first initially purchase it. And in terms of cleansing between readings, again, that really is just so personal. Um, I've actually read and heard that uh, organizing a deck and putting it back into chronological order will cleanse it. And that's not something that I have the patience to do. But if you if that feels good to you and you don't have any cleansing tools, that's a really good way to cleanse your deck. If you do Reiki, you can use Reiki to cleanse your deck in between readings or to just build a relationship with your with your deck. I found that when I do readings for myself or others, I infuse the deck with Reiki as I shuffle. And I found that that has actually dramatically helped with not only accuracy, but just bringing connectedness to me in the deck, between me and the deck, I should say. So if you have any sort of a energy healing technique that you use, working with um, the tarot in that capacity can be really cleansing for the deck. Obviously, tarot loves crystals. So if you have um, a bag that you store your deck in, as I do for most of my decks, slip a crystal in there, your deck will really appreciate it. Or if you have your deck like sitting on your altar or a table or something like that, just pop the crystal on top. Selenite in particular is a really cleansing crystal, so that's a good one to use if you are wanting your deck to receive a constant cleanse when it's not in use. That's what I do. And again, I actually have found that just leaving a bar of selenite on my deck all the time has helped with accuracy and with connectedness between me and the deck. And if you weren't to cleanse your deck, by the way, as I say with crystals and cleansing those, I don't think anything negative would happen. Um, nothing, you know, bad would happen to you. Your deck would not like you, like nothing crazy like that would happen. But at the same time, I, as I said, I, I have actually noticed that I think sometimes these little rituals that we do like cleansing and charging and all those things do help to cultivate a relationship between us and the magical tool. And I have actually found that I think that it creates greater accuracy in the readings that I then receive or give. So I do think that there's something to that. So again, just use your discretion with that. You can use visualization. You can just imagine a white light or whatever color you like. For me, I like pale pink if I'm doing a cleansing visualization. Just imagine that color emanating from your hands and... Um, encapsulating the deck and cleansing it as it's doing so. You can use salt. There truly are so many different ways to do any sort of a cleansing ritual, but you'll use your judgment on that. And um, as I said, you may not even necessarily feel the need to cleanse between readings, especially if you don't really read for other people. If you just read for yourself, you may find that that's really just not necessary. So whatever you think is, is right. So that would be my advice there to just do what you feel you should do and what seems to work for you in the deck that you choose. 
Now, what I really want to talk about is now that you have your deck and you've cleansed your deck, if you feel the need, how do you start actually working with your deck? Now, I this is kind of controversial because, of course, there's lots of different ways to work with the tarot. There's not just a couple ways. But I've kind of broken it down to three main ways that I personally work with the tarot. And those ways are, first of all, to make decisions, sort your options, and project future outcomes would be the first way. The second way would be to gain insight and clarity into present circumstances and to do an internal check-in with yourself. And the third way would be to support you in accessing and accepting opportunities and invitations that are currently available to you that you might not otherwise notice or utilize, take advantage of, and reach out for. So most of the different ways that we would use a deck can be broken down into like one of these three options. So these are kind of the three main ways that I will utilize my deck. Now some ways that we might do this specifically I recommend, especially if you're just starting with tarot, pulling a card every day because that is really the best way to learn. And to, it's kind of like doing field research, right? Because when you pull a deck, or I'm sorry, when you pull a card for the day, you're going to figure out over the course of that day what that card that you've pulled looks like for you because you're going to live it. So pulling a card every day is a really powerful way to learn about your deck and to connect with your deck. I also recommend pulling a card or even doing a full spread for every new moon phase to gain insight into what the invitations are for you for that new moon cycle. You could also do a full moon reading. Some witches connect more to that. Um, and I do find, by the way, that every person is different. Like some people feel their best and they're most energized and they're most intuitively switched on on the new moon and others feel that way on the full moon. So for everyone, it's different. I appreciate both for different reasons. But in terms of when to go to the tarot, you can really, you could obviously do a full and new moon reading, but in terms of doing like a big elaborate spread, um, some people like to do that on the full moon, some people like to do it on the new moon, but those are both certainly good times to turn to your deck. And the types of questions that you can ask is something that I want to talk about in, in phrasing questions, because that really is something that you learn over time. And that's the, something that I've found that people that just buy a deck struggle with is they literally don't know how to talk to their deck. They don't know how to frame questions so that they will get a response that they then understand. So first of all, my advice here is to know what you want when you go to the tarot. Now, what do I mean by that? Tarot doesn't communicate with us or even have an awareness of right and wrong. These truly are essentially man-made constructs. They're not real in, in the sense of that word. And so, for example, if we're asking a question that's specific, like maybe we're trying to make a decision, literally like a very specific decision, whether or not we should accept the date, whether or not we should accept the promotion, whether or not we should take the apartment, whether or not we should move to another city, whether or not we should cut our hair in that particular way that we've been thinking about for a while. Maybe we were literally trying to decide on something specific. And that would be, by the way, a great reason to go to the tarot. That would fall under the first category that I just mentioned of the three. So a really good way to approach that would be to know what your ultimate outcome is, because there really is no right and wrong, right? Um, 
So define for yourself and for the tarot when you ask your question what you hope to get out of the decision that you make. So for example, whether or not you go on the date, okay? So you could ask, for me, I honestly define my my outcome, my desired outcome for the tarot the same no matter what question I ask. Because my desired outcome is always just that I am becoming the woman of my dreams. And I know that sounds general, but for me, it's like, that's perfect. So when I ask the tarot a question, even a pretty specific one, whether it's about a haircut or a date or a job or any sort of an invitation, I always say, is accepting this or whatever the case may be in alignment with me becoming the woman of my dreams? Is this choice, behavior, decision, one that is going to be conducive to me becoming the babe of my dreams or not? And that is how I define it. And I, I feel like, again, that might sound vague, but the tarot knows what that is. And I know what that is. I know who I want to be. And the tarot knows who I want to be because I know. So when I ask that question and ground, ground it in that ultimate desired outcome, then the tarot will then be able to tell me not is it right or wrong per se, but whether or not it is in alignment with that outcome and whether or not it is conducive to me ultimately cultivating that outcome for myself, me becoming the highest, best, brightest, most radiant version of myself, which is always my goal with every single decision that I make. But if you're not quite there where you have one overarching kind of goal that you're comfortable with, you could frame it a little more specifically. So let's say that you were asking about whether or not you should make a job shift of some kind. You could define your desired outcome as tons of financial abundance. So maybe you want to ask the tarot whether or not that particular decision is in alignment with generating the income that you desire. And the tarot will know what that is if you do. Or whether or not, you know, making a particular career switch will cultivate a better relationship with your boss. Maybe that is your desired outcome. So my point is, don't just ask the tarot whether or not you should or shouldn't do something without defining for the tarot what you want. Because there's no right or wrong answer ever to any sort of a question like that. But when you say, this is what I want, so which path is the best, most fulfilling, satisfying, and quickest way of getting there, the tarot will be able to tell you that. Now, there's a couple of different ways to frame that kind of a question, by the way, and that's something that I want to talk about. So if you want to know whether or not you should make a decision or if you have two decisions and you're trying to figure out which one. So there's lots of different ways you could frame that question. The first one would be what I just said. Is this decision in alignment with fill in the blank? You could also say something like, what is my embodiment card as I move forward with making this decision? Or... Um, what is the card that I should embody as I make this decision or in response to this offer? And then you'll get a card that should kind of contain your answer. And then another way that you can frame a question like that where you're trying to sort out your options and see what your different pathways are would be to actually pull t- two sets of cards. You could say, you know, what does it look like for me to accept option A? And then what does it look like for me to accept option B? And then you'll end up with two sets of cards. You could pull one for each option or you could pull three for each option. When I do that, I normally pull three for each option. And by the way, you can also combine this. So when I'm trying to make a decision, I'll normally pull an embodiment card, as I just said. I'll pull the card that 
kind of contains the answer, the card that is the card that I should embody as I move forward. And then I will pull two sets of cards to reflect how it will look and feel for me to choose each option. And then somewhere in there, the answer becomes clear for me usually. So that's a really um, good way to kind of sort out your information. Or again, you could also just say, you know, is this an alignment? And then that card might be clear. And by the way, if a reading is ever not clear, and this is something I want to touch on too, is that's not a problem. And especially if you're just beginning, and I feel like a lot of new readers become discouraged if they feel as though they've asked a question and it's not like, you know, suddenly just clear. And I feel like we are, we have a short attention span as a culture, right? Like we like to receive a quick and easy answer and we want to receive a quick and easy answer. And so if you're cultivating a relationship with the tarot, then you need to get comfortable knowing that that's not going to happen a lot of the time at the beginning. I do feel that I'm at a place in my tarot journey and my relationship with my tarot deck is to the point where a lot of the time I get a quick and easy answer, but not always. And certainly not when I was a beginner did that, was that the case? So you have to get comfortable understanding that this is not going to be like Google, like you're not going to get necessarily, um, you know, a straight answer in the way that you might expect it. And that's something that you just, as I said, need to become okay with. And what I find that you can do, so let's say that you've pulled a bunch of cards and if pulling more cards isn't the solution, because sometimes, by the way, that is the solution. Sometimes you just need to pull a clarifier and there's no shame in that because like even now, you know, if I pull a card and I feel like I, maybe I'm kind of onto it, but I just, it's not clear the connection between what I've asked and the card I received, I'll pull a clarifier. That often is helpful. So always just pull, you know, more cards if you think that that might be the issue that simply your response that you got is just too vague. But if that's not helping and you've got a bunch of cards and you sense that they are correct, but that you just don't know what the connection is here's what you do. So first of all, my advice is to do your own independent research. And I can't stress this enough. Don't obsess over what the guidebook says that comes with your tarot deck, because a lot of times that's extremely limited. And especially nowadays, like there are so many free resources on the tarot online. There's forums, there's podcasts, there's blogs. So there's so many different places that you can go to get different ideas from individuals who are not necessarily pros, but they're just having dialogue and creating space for dialogue about, I pulled this card under this particular circumstance. Does anybody know what this might mean? Have you experienced this card in this kind of a context before? Um, Are there any suggestions or ideas about what this might mean? And I'm telling you, this is this was so helpful for me on my tarot journey because when I first started learning tarot when I was literally like 12 or 13, these resources weren't really available. Podcasts weren't really a thing. Um, I suppose there was probably blogs I could have consulted, but I didn't really do a lot of that. And I definitely didn't know of any forums that I could go on to get, you know, active conversation going or to find threads that were already in place. So for me, um, I didn't really have those. And I've only been exposed to that relatively recently in my tarot journey, but I'm telling you, even me as being somewhat seasoned, it's been revolutionary to have this information right at our fingertips. So I really can't encourage you enough to take advantage of that. 
and to deviate from the guidebook. Honestly, don't even read the guidebook because in my experiences, it's like just so limited and it doesn't really do the cards justice. They tend to be really too simple. So my advice is to literally go online. Let's say that you pulled 10 of pentacles. Um, I would just go online, literally Google 10 of pentacles and see what's been published about that card. If you pulled it in a specific context like career, love, um, anything else, specific parenting, you could type in 10 of pentacles parenting and see what comes up. And I'm not telling you necessarily that there's good information on that specifically, but I'm just saying that type in some keywords, type in the card, see what's been said, see what conversations are being had. And I'm telling you, or you can even, there's po- whole podcast episodes these days about specific tarot cards. And by the way, this podcast is a really great resource because I haven't done, um, that kind of episode in a while where we just dive deeply into one particular card, but I want to get back into doing more of that. The only card I've done a full immersion on is Nine of Wands, and that's one of my favorite cards, and that episode is pretty old. I think it's episode three of this podcast, and by the way, that's really good, so please check that out, but I am going to continue to do like a full series of those, so this episode or this podcast is a really good place to go for that kind of a kind of a resource and that kind of information if you're really trying to dive deeply into every single card. So really my advice is if, you, if you're confused about a response that you get and you know pulling more cards isn't the answer, then do some research on the cards that you pull to get some other perspectives, some alternate interpretations. And even if you don't necessarily agree with what you're reading and what specifically has been said, it will stimulate your thinking and it might trigger something. And even some phrasing you find might trigger something for you. And then the other piece of advice too is really just to sit with it. Give it a couple of days. Leave the spread. If it's like a multi-card spread, leave it up on your altar or on your kitchen table. Move it somewhere that it won't be disturbed, that you can leave it for a couple of days. Return to it every so often. Think about it. And honestly, again, there's no shame in that. That's not just about being a beginner because even me as a fairly seasoned reader... I sit on my readings a lot of the time, and that's actually why, obviously, with COVID, I'm not doing in-person readings, but even before COVID, I had stopped doing in-person readings, and I only do them now via email and uh, in writing as a document, and the reason for that primarily is because I like to sit with readings, when I, especially when they're large, when they're full spreads, like a Celtic cross. I like to sit with that. I like to marinate in it. I like to leave it alone and then kind of return to it. And literally looking at the the cards and the spread is like putting together a puzzle in my mind. And then I'm able to kind of weave together the story when I sit down to write it on my laptop after looking at the, the, the particular spread for a couple of days. But a lot of times for me, it does take a little while. And then again, even as a seasoned reader, sometimes it's pretty quick. I know exactly what a card is trying to say and it's immediately helpful. Other times, I kind of need to sit with it for a little while. Sometimes I still will, will go online, go in the forums, or listen to podcasts about a particular card. And that really is just so helpful. So that's my advice if you ever do get a, a response that you really just don't know what to do with. But I want to keep talking a little bit about how to frame questions and how to think about you know, how to use the tarot. So we talked about using the tarot to sort out your possible decisions and to project outcomes and to sort possibilities and information. But I also want to talk about tarot as a way to check in with yourself because that's another really powerful way to use the tarot. And that's actually one of my favorite ways to use it. 
literally, if you're passing through an experience where you're upset about something, maybe you don't even know what you're thinking, which happens, by the way, to the best of us, pulling a card to figure it out is so healing and satisfying. And I'm just going to give you an example, an anecdotal example, um, with the hopes that it doesn't seem like oversharing, but I just think that it's a really good example of how the tarot can literally help you practically speaking and in an instant. So I had plans a couple days ago to meet up with this um, person that is a friend of mine. And when I woke up in the morning, I didn't want to go. I had a ton of anxiety about it for some reason. It did not sound good to me. And I really didn't know if I was genuinely picking up on an intuitive reason that I shouldn't go or if I was kind of... um, self-sabotaging or having resistance to cultivating a relationship with this person that was positive because sometimes that happens, right? And it can sometimes we can confuse that for intuition when we're actually just sort of trying to talk ourselves out of something that's good. So I was trying to figure it out. I literally couldn't tell what my anxiety was about, whether or not I should go and meet up with this person anyway, you know, what was going on with me and why I was having this anxiety. And the card I pulled was Four of Pentacles. And the Four of Pentacles, if you're not familiar with it, is the Body Boundary card. This is the card of claiming your physical space. It's a card that we usually pull when we're feeling a little bit vulnerable. We're feeling like we need space from other people. We usually want to be alone when we're passing through this card. We might feel like our energy is a little bit leaky, so we're really trying to protect and preserve our resources. And the best thing to do when we're passing through Four of Pentacles is to go with it. A lot of the times I pull this card when I'm on my moon cycle because that's very much how I feel when I'm on my moon cycle and I actually was at this time. So for me, the Four of Pentacles is kind of like my personal moon cycle card. And it really is just the card of, you know, shamelessly claiming your space, saying no to invitations that you don't want to take, protecting yourself. Maybe we're not available for uh, physical intimacy at the time that we pull four of pentacles, but it's not just about, you know, that kind of intimacy. It's also about being social, having people physically in your environment or in your space or in your energy field. And so that was so resonant because I realized it's not personal. It's not about this person. It's not that I'm picking up on an intuitive hit that I shouldn't see them. And it's also not that I should see them anyway. I'm just in a cycle right now and in a phase in today and in this particular moment in time that it's not good for me to be out in public and that's not something that I want to do and I'm just feeling vulnerable and I'm not feeling good and no interaction brings joy when we go into it not feeling good, right? So the best thing for me to do is have some tea, cuddle up on the couch, it's a rainy day, do some reading and just hang out by myself and that's fine and I will cancel and this person will understand and that's what I did and it was fantastic. So sometimes we really don't know what we're thinking, we don't know what we're feeling, we don't know what we need in a moment. Even the most self-aware, intuitive people experience this. And pulling a tarot card in those moments to check in with yourself and figure out what something is really about can be extremely healing and extremely validating. So that's another way that I really recommend working with this card. And then the third and final way is just helping you to access energies that are available to you that you might otherwise miss. So a good example of this would be pulling a card on the new moon or the full moon to see what opportunities or invitations that moon has for you or what parts of yourself that moon wants you to access or what magic you should be working for that moon 
phase or cycle to manifest the life that you want. Um, also, if you just pull a card in the morning to like as your embodiment card, like what card should I embody today to have my best day? Or you could approach the tarot for your morning pull and say something like, uh, what is, um, what are the invitations and opportunities available to me today that are in my field that I can work with intentionally if I choose to have my best day? So these are really good questions you can ask just to kind of help you tap into energies that are in your field personally that you can either work with or not work with, but they're there, kind of almost like astrology or like an astrological transit. It's there, just regardless of whether or not you choose to work with it or not. But by not working with it, sometimes that's when it can wreak havoc. But if you know that it's there, you can actually you know, choose to engage with it in a way that's intentional and in a way that's actually going to be quite empowering and might even help you and support you in your journey of creating your best life. And so that's what pulling cards in this fashion is also helpful for. It can help you just sort of understand what energetically is around you on a given day, for a moon cycle, uh, for just a particular time, moment in time. And that can then help you become aware of those energies and how to work with them, if that makes sense. So these are some different ways and different particular questions that you can ask the tarot that I think are really powerful and beneficial and tend to set you up to get a pretty clear answer. And if you don't get a clear answer, as I said, there's lots of other things that you can do between just sitting with your spread for a little while, thinking about it, doing your own research online. Um, pulling more cards. There's so many different things that you can do, but be patient with yourself. Be patient with the tarot, especially if you're just beginning. It is a process. Absolutely. And the best way to get good at it is just doing it, pulling cards. And I recommend doing it every single day, honestly. Now, before we wrap up, the final thing that I want to talk about is How to engage with the tarot. So how can we work with the tarot in a way that we're responding so that we don't put down our deck after getting like a really insightful reading just to continue to do what we were going to do anyway, right? And obviously there's a point where just intention comes in there and we just have to commit to like, you know, following the advice of the tarot and, and believing in that and believing in ourselves. But in terms of actual energetic practices that you can do, I've got a couple of suggestions. So the first is obviously crystal and or plant medicine is really a powerful tool to work with in alignment with, with the tarot. So for example, going back from my antidote with the four of pentacles, a really good crystal to work with if you're pulling the four of pentacles is black tourmaline because black tourmaline is a really protective stone for your energy field. It helps you to feel safe. It helps you to feel boundaried. It helps you to feel protected. It prevents other people from being able to siphon off your energy and it prevents your energy from just getting leaky. So if you're feeling like you just need boundaries, you need space, maybe you pulled four of pentacles, but you, you don't have the luxury of being able to just be by yourself that day. Maybe you're a server and you need to go be on display all night and be dealing with the public in that kind of a mental state. That could be very difficult when you just need physical space, but you literally can't for whatever reason. So bringing a black tourmaline for you with you for work that day or to any other social engagement you might have that you can't get out of is going to be a really powerful way to honor yourself and work with the energy of four of pentacles. And you can do this for any card. 
And you can do this, by the way, even if you don't have a particularly impressive crystal collection, even if you have a couple, um, just working with different crystals for different cards. And obviously, you know, this helps if you have an awareness of, of crystal energy, but that is so intuitive as well that, you know, I feel like if you have a crystal collection, even if you're not an expert on what crystals do, what quote unquote, you know how your crystals work with you. So getting to know your crystals and working with them alongside your tarot um, results and interpretations is going to be a really powerful way to engage with those energies and really apply the wisdom in your practical life to kind of conduct mini spells with the cards that you pull. And then working with essential oils can be much the same way. Maybe you work with a protective boundary essential oil when you pull four of pentacles, or maybe you work with a essential oil that, you know, promotes gratitude and peace and joy when you pull 10 of pentacles. So there's lots of different ways that for you will resonate to choose a tool when you pull a particular card, but that's a really powerful way to embrace the medicine of a card by kind of layering on additional magical tools like crystals and plant medicine in the form of herbs and or essential oils. So that's a really powerful practice to help you kind of engage with the energies after you pull the cards for however long that is, whether it's a moon cycle or a year or a day, whatever it is. And then the other healing modality, I guess you would say, that is really powerful for working to work with alongside tarot. Sorry, it's getting late, so I'm kind of losing my words, is tapping or EFT. So this is a really powerful positive psychology energy technique. And I don't want to get into that here, especially because we're running out of time and I want to I don't want this episode to go much over an hour. So I'm gonna wrap it up here. But EFT is basically like acupressure. Um, and it just involves tapping on particular points where there are meridians in your energy body. And it basically just gets stagnant energy flowing. You repeat affirmations as you press on these specific points. And it's a really powerful way to create change in your life and to manifest. And so creating little tapping routines to go along with particular cards is really powerful. Um, again, I'm not an expert on tapping, so I don't want to go on about that at length here. But if you're interested in seeing, the, seeing an example, of that, my favorite two people to tap along to are Gala Darling and Brad Yates, and they are both um, have a lot of videos for free on YouTube, so you can watch that and you can tap along with them, or you can create your own routines to correspond to different cards, which I have done, and that's been a really powerful practice. So, for example, when I pull forth pentacles, I might do a tapping routine to feel safe in my body, or I might do a tapping routine to feel that my energy is protected, or I might do a tapping routine to feel not guilty about needing space and about having to cancel plans. So there's so many different fun ways that you can layer on additional self-care and energy practices and magical tools with tarot to just further the medicine and bring it that much more into your life, which is really powerful and exciting. So that's it. That's everything I wanted to talk about today. So this was kind of a longer episode and thank you for bearing with me if you've made it to the end. And I want to thank you not only for listening, but um, I do want to recommend that you subscribe to my weekly newsletter if you enjoy listening to this podcast. I send the newsletter out every Tuesday morning and we talk about the astrology of the week. I offer a fun crystal tip for the week that's usually just kind of random. I talk about the tarot card for the week that I pull as a reading for the collective. I publish a weekly gratitude list. 
I sometimes will talk about my personal life, almost like an online journal, but it's not usually too too intimate or boring. I usually keep it relevant to the themes of the newsletter. So that's a really fun place to be. If you like this podcast, I do recommend that you subscribe and check that out. And I will post the link to do that down below in the description of this episode. I also am going to ask that you send me any questions that you might have to the smartwitchpodcast at gmail.com. That's my email address. And I'm taking both specific questions. And if you also just have anything somewhat vague that you want me to talk about or that you would like me to touch on in this podcast, I will do my best to accommodate as I'm very interested in listening to what your feedback is and what you want from me. And I will obviously accommodate where I can. And I just want to thank you again for being here and for listening. And I honestly hope that this episode inspired you to start your own tarot journey. So go have some fun, do some research on which deck might be good for you. If you have a deck already that you don't really work with, that's collecting dust because you haven't felt inspired. I hope that this episode encouraged you to go blow the dust off and have some fun and work with your deck and cultivate a really strong relationship with it. So yeah, go have fun and I will talk to you very soon.